I want to invite you as we continue talking uh, about different characters that we associate with Christmas uh, to turn to the book of Luke. I'm going to read the scripture pretty quick this morning. Usually I'll give you a little sort of introduction as we are turning there, but go ahead and start turning there now because I'm going to read it in just a second uh, because I want us to just have that in our mind as we, as we jump in and talk about uh, the character of Mary this morning. Luke chapter 1, I'll be in Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26, and then I'm going to jump to Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 1, so you might need to open up two different places. The text will be on the screen as well, uh, but if you're reading along in your Bible and I encourage you to do so, go ahead and, and find those spots. Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him in clothes and cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So we think about Mary specifically this morning. And uh, when we think about her you know, having a child, there is this, this tendency to think about the anticipation. I think that is uh, part of Christmas that's wrapped up in that event is the anticipation of, of a child to come. And so... That whole idea of anticipation pervades Christmas, doesn't it? Whether it is the actual uh, sort of biblical point of, of, of Christ being born, but there's also, uh, you know, sort of the traditions that we've established to associate with Christmas of, of the gathering and, and the presents. And, and we look at the presents and think about what might be in them and we, we anticipate all that. And so that's sort of, I guess you could say, the secular side. And, and it's not bad, but it's just part of what we've added to it. And it feeds into that anticipation theme that, that Christmas is all about. I remember as a kid anticipating, as, as Cindy mentioned, the whole presence thing. And, uh, you know, we would, I would go to Santa and ask for things. And, and I, had a, I had a strategy to get what 
hopefully everything that, that I wanted because I understood that, that Santa was, even though he was magical, you know, he couldn't do everything. And, and so I would make sure to ask for everything that I wanted and then just a little bit more. You know, my parents really appreciated that too. And uh, it just, just to make sure, because I understood that there might be something I really wanted, but maybe another kid would, would want it more and be more deserving, or maybe another kid just would need it more. So I would ask for everything and then a little more. And one year I asked for, for, for two things, then, and I just knew there was no way I was gonna, going to get both of them. I asked for a go-kart, and I asked for a 10-speed bicycle. Remember when the 10-speeds had the, the little gears and you turned them, and those were really cool, and... Uh, I'm not sure it ever made the bike faster when I pedaled it, but it was cool to pretend like I was shifting gears. And so I asked for both of those things, and I knew there was no way I was going to get both. And I just remember getting up, and, and like most kids, I never waited until you know, the sun was up. I'd get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'd creep down the hall. And I remember this morning, the house was really quiet, and, and I was tiptoeing because I didn't want to wake anybody up. And I could tell from the hallway, my, my bedroom was kind of around the corner, and I'd have to go around the corner. But I could tell just from entering the hallway from my bedroom that I could make out some presents under the tree. So I knew that he came. And, and as I got closer, I made out not only, I, I gave you part of the answer already, not only the 10-speed bicycle, but the go-kart as well. And, and so I've shed light on the fact that not only was I a blessed boy that Christmas, but I was, I was very spoiled. And I think uh, Santa probably had a little bit of help from my grandparents that Christmas and, and providing me those things. Truth be told, probably most kids do the same thing. They, they ask for things uh, knowing that they may or may not get it because that's part of the fun, part of the anticipation of knowing whether or not they're going to get it. Emily this year has asked for a gift uh, that, sh that she probably won't get, get unless Santa is just really miraculous. She's asked for a television in her room. And uh, Michelle and I don't even have a television in our room. That's just, you know, that's just a boundary we've set. Some people do, some people don't. And it's, it's not a moral thing or a money thing as much as it, you know, that's our bedroom. And we just don't want to have TVs in bedrooms. And so uh, we don't. We have one TV. It's in our living room. And uh, we, we told Emily, I, I don't. I don't know. You know, we, we did the, the parent answer when you want to say no is we'll just have to see about that. Right. And every kid knows that that means there's no chance. And so that's what I told Emily. That we'll have to see about that. And she goes, well, if I ask Santa, I know he'll get it. He'll get it for me. That's always the, the out. Santa will do it. And I said, well, I don't know if Santa is going to bring you something that your parents don't want you to have. And she didn't like that answer. There's no guarantees, are there? There's no guarantees with presents. There's no guarantees with Santa. I remember one year I, I got Michelle, or I tried to purchase for Michelle, an Instant Pot. You know, anybody know what an Instant Pot is? Uh, it's like a crock pot on steroids. It just, it's this pot that does everything, and it's just one pot. You can cook all kinds of ways. You can cook a whole chicken in it and cook it in, you know, 15 minutes or something. And, and so I found this Instant Pot on sale on Amazon for $50. And you know what a sucker I am for a good deal. And <laughs> I was suckered into it and I placed this order and you know I'm, I'm tracking the package online and it's coming from China and should have been my first tip off, right? <laughs> and uh, well, it makes it to the United States and then it shows delivered, only it wasn't delivered, you know? And so I had to go through the proper channels and contact Amazon. Turns out it was a fraud. 
Uh, they never really were going to send me the, the Instant Pot to begin with. It was a third-party seller on Amazon. And, of course, there's protections against that. And, and we received our money back and everything was okay. But, man, it was such a letdown uh, because I'd have been anticipating that. I was going to get not, not only was I going to get Michelle this, this gift that I knew she really wanted, but I was going to be able to, to get it a good deal, which is something that I really wanted. There's no guarantee with presence, and, and there's this, this in, anticipation behind it, and, that, and that's okay, that feeds into Christmas, but the, the biblical part of what we celebrate is this anticipation that Mary modeled, really, uh, in, in the scriptures that we read. She played this role where, where this promise has, has been made to not only her, but this promise has been made to God's people, and, and part of what Caroline read this morning uh, fed into that, talking about this, this Savior that God will send that will come from David's line, and His kingdom will last forever. And probably the people of God, Israel, began to think that, that maybe this is not going to be fulfilled. They'd been waiting for this. They'd been anticipating it for so long. And this was the moment that it was going to be fulfilled. And so unlike Santa and unlike our childhood wishes for presents and, and even unlike my adult desire to, to get a lot for, for less, you can count on God to bring what He's promised to fulfillment. And that's what Christmas is about. That's what we celebrate. And however bizarre and however unbelievable and however long it might take, the real anticipation we celebrate at Christmas is this anticipation that the people of God had and this anticipation that, that Mary had. And, and no matter how ill-prepared she might have felt and no matter how, how scared she might have been and we think about what she might have experienced as she went through that, she modeled this anticipation that we can model as well. Not just at Christmas, but, but as the kind of people that have a promise that God has fulfilled through Christ. And as the kind of people that have a God that, that wants to fulfill his, his purposes in us through Christ. You can count on God to bring His work to fulfillment. Part of that, uh, if, if you do that, if you're anticipating that, you have to be willing to be used by God in what He's doing. You have to be willing to be actively aware and used by God in, in what He might fulfill that He wants to happen through you. That's really what Mary modeled for us, isn't it? Now, you're probably not going to have an angel come to you like Mary did. Uh, if you do, if you do, uh, you're, you're special. <laughs> you're unique. You know, when you open the Bible, we read the Bible, and, and we see angels, you know, very, pretty pervasive in Scripture, don't we? We see it in the Old Testament, and we see it some in the New Testament. And, and if you're not careful, you sort of get it in your mind that, that angels were just sort of this normal thing. But the reason that those episodes are in Scripture that talk about an angel appearing to Mary, an angel appearing to Joseph, is because it's not normal. It's because this was not an everyday occurrence. This wasn't something that always happened. That's why it's in the Bible, because it didn't happen very often. And, and so we sort of get this idea in our mind. It's, it's kind of maybe romantic. Maybe you think about like Cinderella and the fairy godmother. You know, maybe it was like that. Uh, but I don't think it was. When, angel, when, when Mary had this angel appear to her, Gabriel is how he identifies himself in Scripture. Uh, I'm not sure it was something that was all that romantic to her. But it was something that she was willing to receive, something she was willing to, to see how God might connect to her and, and, and use her in a, in a way. I was talking with someone this morning. I won't, I won't say her name because I didn't ask permission to share this, but... But she's sort of taken it upon herself to, to go into our, our ladies, our, our ladies three Sunday school class uh, who hasn't had a teacher in a while and just to check up on them. 
Uh, I, I caught her in there one Sunday and I asked her, you know, how long she'd been doing that. And she said, I just do that from time to time just to check on those ladies because I know them all and I, and I love them. And, and, the, and the one particular Sunday I, I saw her, she was kind of going through their, her lesson with them and, and, and they were just so glad to have her. They were so glad to have someone to go and, and be with them and check up on them. And it just meant a lot to them to have someone to do that. Sometimes being used by God is just as simple as looking across our church and looking at, at some people over here that might need me to go over there and be Christ to them. When we think of Mary being used by God, it's, it's tempting to fill in the details. You know, and we have certain songs that do that. We sing, you know, Mary, did you know? And, and, and we sort of pontificate on all the things that Scripture doesn't tell us about Mary. And, and that's an okay thing to do, but as, as a preacher, when I'm preaching Scripture... All I really know to do is tell you this is what Scripture says. And, and one thing I know for sure about Mary, it says in verse 29, when this angel appeared to her, it wasn't this romantic notion. And in chapter 1, 20, verse 29, it says, She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, it, it's normal when you think about it to be scared by an angel. I mean, it, it's an angel. It doesn't happen very often. We, we would normally be scared. But, but it's interesting that the Bible says that it wasn't just the fact that it was an angel, like, like, like when the shepherds had, had the, the angel choir appear to them and they were scared by, by God's glory, probably. The thing that scared Mary was not only that an angel was appearing to her, but the actual words that the angel said in verse 28, Greetings! The angel says to Mary, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, I would think if an angel appeared to me and said that, <coughs> excuse me, I'd be pretty excited. I would be pretty happy. But this troubled Mary. And why did it trouble Mary? Well, in Mary's, in Mary's time, probably for a woman to be highly favored meant uh, that was just unheard of. Why am I highly favored? What do you mean I'm highly favored? What are the odds of that? Maybe there was an air of suspicion around that. It, it might be if you were at home one day and you heard a knock on your door and you, you go and answer the door and, and Dave with the publisher's clearinghouse is there and he tells you, congratulations, you've won the million dollar prize and he's got a camera and the camera's in your face and there's balloons and they have one of those huge checks you know, like you, you see on TV. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I didn't enter the publisher's clearinghouse. You would view that with a pretty big air of suspicion, wouldn't you? Almost, almost like a, an instant pot in China for $50. There's something about that that's, that's not quite right. What, what do you mean I'm highly favored? Mary would probably wonder. Maybe she was troubled because she's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or maybe she was troubled because she just couldn't believe what the angel was saying. But in spite of any thoughts and any, any fears and, and whatever else she might have been thinking and pondering that we don't really know, we do know what she says to the angel. She says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And, and this isn't a sort of resigned submission. You know, sometimes we read that and, and there's another translation. The, the common translation says, may it be to me according to your word. That's a, your, your Bible might say that. And that's a correct translation as well. But, but in English, it almost sounds like that's an inactive sort of submission. Almost like, uh, remember the Princess Bride and the farm boy would, would follow her around. Wesley becomes the main character and she would order him to do something and he would say, as you wish, and he would do it. Just sort of this resigned subservience to her. 
And when we think about it that way, we're focused on Mary's passiveness, like she really didn't do anything, like she just said, well, just it is what it is. But that's not what she's saying. She says, I am the Lord's servant that's present and active. May your word, here's the focus of it, may your word be fulfilled in me. May God do something in me. And so if we reason, well, you know, it's just up to God if he wants me to do something special just to tell me and let me know. And we might find ourselves just sitting around waiting and never have that angel appear to us. If we reason that, well, God hasn't really told me to do such and such. He hasn't told me to go to these people over there and, and, and share an encouraging word. Or, uh, we really kind of justify laziness, don't we? We justify inactiveness. It's not that hard to figure out how God can be used by us. We, we look at who we are and how God has gifted us. And if, it's, if we have a lot of money, it's not that hard to think about. Well, that's how God has blessed me, and God has blessed me to, to bless others with that. If it's the gift of hospitality, the gift of teaching, the gift of friendship, whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be this light bulb moment where an angel comes and appears to us. And so we don't wait on that. We look for ways to be used by Him when we're trying to, to let God be and do what He wants to do in us. That's how He brings His work to fulfillment. But then here's the thing to remember is that God's fulfillment through us and in us, may not always look like we expect it to look. It may not look anything like we expect it to look. Elizabeth Elliot is famous for uh, being the wife uh, of Jim Elliot, a missionary that, that died, was a martyr. Uh, but we often don't know or we don't often talk about the fact that she had another husband. His name was Addison Leach. and uh, He was diagnosed with two different kinds, uh, separate unrelated different kinds of cancer. And after she saw her first husband die at the hands of, uh, of, of a place, of, of, as, as a missionary, to be, after he was murdered, she saw her second husband uh, succumb to cancer. And she spent her days uh, trying to nurse him and be there for him and encourage him. And, and she wrote in her journal that, that she would pray at first uh, that God would just help her make it through the week. And, and as his, his cancers worsened and things got more difficult, she said, I started praying that God would just help me make it through the day because I, I couldn't see making it through the week. And then she says, as, as things got even worse, I, I quit praying for God to make, help me make it through the day. And I would just pray hour by hour, God, help me make it to the next hour because at 9 o'clock in the morning, I didn't know how I'd make it to 9 o'clock at night. And she said the thing, and, and her journal showed, the thing that, that helped change her perspective was, was one day she was having her quiet time and she was reading in John chapter 6 where Jesus meets this little boy and, and the little boy had five loaves of bread and two fish. And the disciples as always wanted to push the, 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 the little, the lowly, uh, the person with nothing wanted to push them away and, and discount that person and see them as insignificant. And she said, but Jesus saw the little person, saw the weak person and saw the potential and he took the weakness that this little boy had the, 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 the small gift and broke it and made it into something. And she says, I realized on that day that Jesus wanted to do that same thing with my suffering. You think Mary expected to suffer after this angel appeared to her? I, I, I think she did. I think just having a child in her unmarried state, I mean, she's going she's gonna to face some suffering as a result of that. And maybe the, the, the most obvious and the nearest suffering she might face might be from, from the person that she's uh, supposed to marry. 
In Matthew chapter 1, we, we read uh, about, about Joseph, that, that he found out she was, was pregnant. She was found, the verse says, chapter 1, verse 18, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how Joseph found it out, which I think is the Bible's way of telling us, well, it just became obvious physically that, that she was pregnant. We read in Luke this morning that the angel appears to Mary, Gabriel appears to Mary and says, before she's pregnant, you will conceive. Chapter 1, verse 31. And so chronologically, we have no idea how it matches up except for the fact that it, it appears she knew about it before Joseph did. How long she knew about it? A month or two months? I don't really know. But you have this time in the middle where she had to deal with that. She had to think through that. She had to anguish over that. And, and the angel doesn't even let her know whether or not Joseph is going to stick by her side through all of this. And still she says, may it be done to me according to your word. I'm fairly certain the thing she did not expect, though, is what we read in Luke chapter 2, that not only would she face suffering, but she would travel in the midst of, of being pregnant and having this child and, and, and facing all the, all the ridicule by others and possibly her husband. She would travel to Bethlehem. And you think that the angel could have thrown that one little detail in there, don't you? By the way, in, in the last you know, weeks of your pregnancy, you're going to be traveling 70 miles. 70 miles isn't much, right, to us? We get in a car, we drive a little bit over an hour, and we're there. Of course, you've seen the little Christmas cards with Mary sitting on, sitting on the back of a donkey, and, and she's nice and prim and proper, and her feet are all, you know, she looks really nice and, and, and nice and neat. But I don't think it was all nice and neat, ladies. Can you imagine riding on a donkey, uh, pregnant? No matter what stage you might be in, it's not really exciting. Might not have been a donkey, it might have been a camel. Is that any better? It's not something we desire. It's not something Mary expected, I don't think. But God was at work, and God is always at work bringing to fulfillment what He has started in us, even when it doesn't look like we expect. Now, Caroline read scripture this morning, and I think of her family, I think of, of Barrett, and the fact that he attended Eastwood as a little boy. And some of you actually remember that. Some of you, uh, it's like, man, Barrett is a little boy. That's hard to imagine. Uh, but both those of you that knew him as a little boy are, are probably not very surprised that he's a deacon at our church, that he's kind of constant and he's always here, just a faithful kind of person because that was the way he was raised. He was brought to church and, and his family, uh, they, they, they faithfully sowed a seed in him. And they're seeing that come to fruition now. And, and not only the fact in his life, but in his family's life. And, and they get to be a part of that. That's an expected fulfillment, I think, of God. And then I think of people like Randall and Frankie, who are, they're just Gatesville to me. You know, there was a, there was a painting in, in Andy's. Remember when Andy's restaurant was, was there, uh, where Stripes is now? And there was this painting of, of Gatesville, the, the square in Gatesville. Uh, and I don't know what year it was, but it had, it had Meek's Cafe and, and the square. And, and, and Ranzel told me one time, I don't remember who it was, Ranzel, but it was someone in your family that, that owned that cafe. And I guess the 50s at some point? Uh, well, I was way off. It was a long time ago. And, and that's just, that to me, just, that's Gatesville. That, that's Ranzel and Frankie. And we've prayed for Ranzel and Frankie and, and the things that they've faced health wise in our church. And, and not knowing what that would lead to and what that would result in. And, it's neat to me to see that God has answered many of those prayers. And, and we've also seen that maybe because of some of the struggles they've had, they've had some family move close to them. 
They've had a daughter, and they've had a granddaughter, and they've had the granddaughter's family. And we even baptized the granddaughter's husband about a year or so ago. And we're seeing these things that they would have never thought would have come to fulfillment because of a struggle that they experienced, an unexpected fulfillment by God. So we have two couples in our church, and they're both experiencing God's faithfulness and fulfillment. Some ways are unexpected. Even though God's fulfillment may not look like we expect all the time, though, here's here's the thing to know and to take home, and, and, and that we can trust for sure when we look at Mary, is that God will always take care of His people. If we're faithful to do what God wants us to do, if we're looking for ways to be used by Him, God will take care of His people even when no one else will. There was an ad, I think around Super Bowl 37. Uh, it was right after the movie Castaway came out, and there was this FedEx ad that they ran during, during the Super Bowl that year. And uh, it was, it was this, the character was supposed to be Tom Hanks. It wasn't really him. Uh, they had to pay way too much for that. Uh, but it was, it was supposed to be Tom Hanks. He was wearing you know, this really dirty, beat-up FedEx uniform. And if you remember from the movie Castaway, there was this, this package that, that the character Tom Hanks played, and he never opened it, but it was the one package that he was able to, to save after his, his plane went down as, as a FedEx guy. And, and he held on to that package, and I think at the very end of the movie, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but he actually delivered it. But it never shows you what's in the package. Well, well in this commercial, you, you see this guy that looks like Tom Hanks go up to the house, and he's delivering the package. And, and at the very end of the commercial, because everybody wants to know, well, what was in the package? And that wasn't the point of the movie. Uh, but but he, he asked, by the way, what... What was in the package? And the lady says, oh, nothing much, just a a GPS, a compass, a water purifier, and and a few seeds. Everything that he would have needed to to be okay and and to get off the island. But he he was okay anyway. He got off the island anyway. I think the way God takes care of us sometimes is is like that. It's it's not always in the way that we would think. It's not always in the nice and neat and and, and fast way, but, but he takes care of us. Mary and Joseph were seeking to be used by God. And even when they found themselves in a situation they didn't expect, Luke says that the time came in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 6, the time came for the baby to be born, away from their friends, away from their family, away from their home. And, And so they did what any parents would do in such a situation. They found a place for the baby to be born. It says that there was no room at the inn. And, and, and by the way, this was not the kind of inn, this wasn't the Motel 6. They weren't leaving the light on for you. Uh, this wasn't the kind of inn that you think about that has you know, free HBO and, and a free breakfast. This was probably a room in someone's house, maybe an upper room like Jesus, where Jesus had the Last Supper. Uh, it was just a place in someone's home. It wasn't a commercial type of motel situation. It's just this room. And, and they couldn't even get that. They couldn't afford that. Or they couldn't, it was not available to them. And so Jesus ends up being born in what some... Scholars guess might have been a cave placed in a feeding trough. And, and what a strange way for Mary's son to enter the world. But it's what God provided. It's, it's the way God brought his promise to fulfillment. And the circumstances were feeble. And for a time, for a time without really near as much medical technology as we have, nobody still would have wanted their son to be born outside, to be born away from family, to be born with, without a, mid, a midwife. But it's what God provided. 
And so Mary takes what God provided and, and she wraps him in these cloths. In some translations of the Bible, it calls it, it calls it swaddling clothing, chapter 2, verse 7. And sometimes that leads us to believe that this was some kind of special material, but, but it wasn't. It was just whatever she had. It might have been strips of her and Joseph's own clothing. And they did that to keep, maybe to keep the baby warm, but also to help it, its bones and ligaments hold together as, as it grew. She took what God had given her and, and she used it. And so to say that God takes care of his people is not the same as saying that God's going to give his people everything that they want. And, and that's important to remember, especially at Christmas, when we think about the things that we want. And we think about Christmas wish lists because the thought of whether or not we're going to be okay and taken care of may not always enter our minds. But as it does, if it does, when it does, we can be confident that if we give to others what we have, if we seek to be used by God in, in, in the ways that He allows us to, then we're going to be okay. That God will provide for us the things that we need, not that we want necessarily, but the things that we need for us to do what it is that He wants us to do. I read a story by, by a lady that exemplifies this named Murdy Howell. And, uh, she was a devoted Christian that just had a really hard life. Her family was really poor. She was, when she was 10, she had to quit school, and she went to work in a steel mill for 10 cents a day. She was married at 17, and in 1940, her husband died, and she, was, she lost her home. She had three children. She had to go back to work to take care of those children, and that's just how she spent her whole life, just, just sort of barely making it by and, and getting through. And, and at the end, she didn't have a lot to show for. She raised her, her children, and, and she just worked so hard that she had to move into a nursing home. And as she moved into that nursing home, not long after that, her youngest son passed away. And, and it was just so much on her to, to deal with that and think about that. She fell into this depression. And, and the one thing that she had, the one gift that she had, e even though she never went to school, was that she knew how to read and she knew how to write. And, and she told God that she just had no idea how she could be used by Him. And, and she was sad and she was depressed. And then she felt this urge to write. And so she wrote this letter, and she sent it to the Atlanta Penitentiary that said, Dear inmate, I'm a grandmother who loves and cares for you, and I'm willing to be a friend. If you'd like to hear from me, write me. So the letter was given to the prison chaplain. The prison chaplain sent her eight names of people that she could correspond with, and she began corresponding with, with prisoners. And then other organizations heard about her and sent her names of prisoners. And she wrote so many letters that she was corresponding at one point with up to 40 inmates a day. 40 different inmates a day. And she became this one-person ministry reaching into the prisons across America. She wrote in her journal, I thought my life was over, but this has proved to be one of the most fulfilling times of my life. Because God brings His work to fulfillment. No matter your stage in life, no matter your age, no matter you, whether you feel able and, 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 and blessed or not, God brings His work to fulfillment in our lives. I invite you to let Him do that in your life today. Let's pray together. God, as we look at Mary, we recognize that, that all of us, in a sense, are just folks that are feeble, people who, apart from you, don't have a lot to offer. But God, we thank you for the way that you use people who, who society says aren't very important. And if you use them, certainly you can use us. 
And I pray in the midst of all that we have going on this year, in the midst of family obligations and work and all the things that we're taking care of, that we would recognize that you have a promise to us to use us and that you can bring that fulfillment to fulfillment in our lives. Help us to look for ways for that to happen. Help us to do our part in being faithful, knowing that you'll be faithful to us in return. We ask in Jesus' name.